Dixie comes home and I have these candy corn wrappers here, I'm going to get in trouble. Why? I don't know. I feel like we bought all this candy allegedly for trick-or-treaters, but we've just eaten it all. Wait, why would you get in trouble then? If well, she's also part of the problem. I'm, I'm the majority of the problem. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Straight Red Live, straight from the Straight Red Plex. Yeah, I'm your one. host, Jeff Ross, and with me, as always, mm-hmm. the king of the mushroom people, Alex S. Kibler. Alex, how is the kingdom? Wait a minute. You mean like Mushroom Kingdom like in Mario? No, 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 no. No. First of all, Nintendo owns that trademark, so of course not. <laughs> and so we shouldn't be talking about it? Can't talk about it. Yeah. We'll never bring it up again. No. Just because the, the people are mushrooms doesn't yeah. mean that's the name of their kingdom by default. Stop being a racist. Wait a minute. Are they actually mushrooms? They're your subjects, Alex. I, I mean – You should know. You are a bad royal. Every single time that you do this, the, the thing that you say becomes more non sequitur, and I know less and less like how to respond to it. You're just going to start like speaking a language I don't understand and then expecting me to respond. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. You mean English? Oh, Read a book. Wow. Wow. Go back to France. <laughs> Remember when that was a thing? Remember when people got mad because of the French in, around, like, yeah. in the. the War Against Terror. What was it called? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Technically, it's still happening. It was the War on Terror. That one, yes. Why do we have to declare war on everything? Name the, all the things we Drugs, declared. terror. Uh, Up to two. I, I mean, that's all you need, really. And others. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we've been declaring a lot of wars. I think SKC Two might things. declare a war on posts Two after things. that uh, that <sighs> game this week. This week, but uh, we'll have to see how that goes. How are you, Jeff? You work on your jokes. I get to I see you. Well. This is great. I'm looking at you for the first time since you left. There's a television on the floor behind you, which tells me a lot about the state of your new apartment. So here's something fun about yeah. that. Uh, I've had roommates for years and years and years. So there's a bunch of key furniture that I don't own. Do you I know? don't have a little media stand thing. So yeah. I've got, can you see it? I've got like a TV down there. There's an Xbox. I see the Xbox, yeah. I need, I need to buy a thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't we have, have just like a bookcase turned over sideways. That works great. No, it doesn't. I wasn't going to say anything. You people live like, like you live in a dumpster. An Ikea dumpster because it's from Ikea. The best dumpsters are Swedish. Everybody I mean, knows that. Fact. That's, that's just a fact. Everybody knows that. All right. Anyway. So, Alex, we've been gone for seven weeks, as you know. So we have a lot to catch up on. Yes. Uh, this is our special. This is our playoff special. Show. It is. Saturday morning. And, you know, instead of, of you know, all the 
cartoons melting your brain, you should listen to some really intelligent people, like a really good podcast. And but then when, when you don't have that. Right. And then when you're done with that, <laughs> come listen to us. We're still here. We're here. Listen. We're, we're still here. We're like the safe, like, fallback relationship of the podcasting world. Like, uh, yeah, you, you, you branch out, you listen to exciting shows sometimes, but if you, wanna, you, if you want the easy, like, hey, I'm lonely and I want to have just, you know, something. It doesn't have to be good. Man, if you're going to do this, you got to go all out. You, 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 you pulled back there. You, you didn't say everything you wanted to say. <laughs> it's a family show, Jeff. Is it? No. God, I hope not. What kind of weird family gathers around the iPod and listens to <laughs> listens this? to this. That's a great question. Uh, Child Protective Services should speak to that family. Mm-hmm. Something seems wrong there. So it's been 700 days since we've yes. done, a, done a show. And in that time, 1,000 games happened. 1,000. 1,000. But there were some events that happened before the playoffs, but after the last show, I'm Alex, confused already. Before the playoffs started, yeah. but after the last podcast, there were games. I don't believe you. All right, fine. Moving on. <laughs> Just kidding, Gingers. Dallas 2, San Jose 1. The dream, the Wando dream comes crashing to an end. Was there In a Frisco, Wando dream? What are you talking about? Wando has dreams. You don't know what Wando dreams about. I'm sure he dreams about the playoffs. Oh, my God. If I could fire you. I mean, it was always a pipe dream for San Jose. San Jose, you know, first of all, beautiful new stadium. Those fans have supported that team and that stadium since day one. Loud, raucous environment. But not enough quality in terms of defense, in my opinion. You know, you, you have a guy in, in Wando who's going to get some, some really fun and crazy goals. Um, but at the same time, they lack a lot of athleticism that you see in teams like a Dallas and so forth. Well, you're up against a team that's at the top of the table. But look, look at it this way. We, we all knew FC Dallas was going to win this game. So this, this wasn't surprising. Innocent Amagara got injured ages ago. And ever since that happened, it's not looked quite as good as I think San Jose was hoping for this season. But I believe they'll come back strong next year. But more importantly, FC Dallas wins. They still don't get a supporter shield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still can't do it because your best friends, uh, the New York Red Bulls of Harrison, New Jersey, yep, beat the Chicago Fire. They did one in Chicago. My future property, the Chicago Fire, puts them at the top. Of the supporter shield standing. Now, Genders, I don't know if you've ever heard about this particular bet. <laughs> I don't so know what you're talking I about. I regret to inform you. Do you regret? That Alex Kibler once claimed that the New York Red Bulls wouldn't even make the top 10 of the supporter shield standings. And if they did, he would owe me seven. Hundred. Oh, so now you're claiming that I pounds. came up with the number two? So, my question to you, Genders, <laughs> is what should I buy first, and why is it a houseboat? I think the answer is a stand for your television. Ah, who cares? I'll get regular furniture. You're the people who are about to be negative $700,000 poorer. Wait, you're the people? Just you, though. I guess Dixie is not financially connected to you. No. 
not in any meaningful sense. Lucky woman. That was wise on her part. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go. Thousand dollars. Uh-huh. But congratulations to the New York Red Bulls. They come out of this season with a, another supporter shield. Two in the past three years. I think maybe except for Montreal Impact, no team has so dramatically outperformed what we all thought they would be this season, like the New York Red Bulls. Because you know, we we joke about the the, the wager that allegedly happened. But it, that, it happened. But that being said, I am sending a collection agency. Yeah, but that being said, I don't think anyone expected much out of the Red Bulls losing Henri, losing a coach who meant so much to that fan base to that team. I'm not sure what you know. I, I personally did not expect. I thought they might squeak into the playoffs, but I didn't expect a huge amount from that team coming into this season. I don't think a lot of people did. But I think Jesse Marsh got them playing a very active, a very um, sort of frenetic team defense style of football, and it worked out for them. They, they frankly, they ran all over a lot of teams this year. No, very, very true. I, I agree with you. A few, and I'm, I was one of those people as well, thought this, is, this was going to be any good of a season. I thought that may, you know, maybe they could make it into the playoffs. But beyond that, we weren't really going to see anything from these guys. And they walk away with the supporter shield with one of, if not the best seasons they've ever had. Yeah. It just goes to show that when you have a team that really knows how to flex its athleticism mm-hmm. and, and and knows sort of how to get the most out of its players, that in this league where at most you're going to have one or two or three star players on a team, you can beat anybody with 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 the right assimilation, like with the right collection of team of, of players. You don't Very you true. don't need to have those stars. You just need to have the right pieces that fit. All right, I'm looking at it right now. The 2015 New York Red Bulls had more wins than they've ever had in any season. That's that record speaks for itself. Like that was this is the best I've ever done. Uh, second place was the 2013 year when they also won the supporter yeah. shield, uh, tied with uh, the year 2000. They had they had 17 wins in the year 2000, and then 2013, 2015. They've got two supporter shields. Three years. Clearly, Jesse Marsh knows what he's doing. And I will say this. Neither of us had an issue with Jesse Marsh specifically. No. He seemed to be a very good signing. It was just the circumstances with how he had been signed. Right. It's, it's, it was more the Mike Petke half of the equation that we all had problems with. Very true. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to sort of say, you know, could this team have been equally as effective under Mike Petke? I guess you'll never know the answer to that question. But I, the fact still remains, you know, I can't think that the Red Bull front office mm-hmm. thought that, first of all, I don't think the, their reasoning was because they thought they were going to get so much more out of Jesse Marsh. I think it was that they were unhappy with what they were under Mike Petke. It wasn't because the, the, this, the dream coach came strolling down the block right into their, into their arms. That's not what the situation was. And so when you analyze it from that perspective, Jesse, Jesse Marsh, you know, obviously he's done a great job. 
but Mike Petke didn't deserve to get fired. I, I'm still mad about this. I still don't think he deserved to get fired. Obviously, we don't know what happens behind the scenes. So there's always that question mark. But yeah. I, I still agree with you that uh, he didn't deserve to get fired. And we're going to talk about what, some rumors about where he may be heading up since now we're in the infamous offseason. But hat tip to you, New York Red Bulls. You turned it around. And now that I've dug even more into this, not only was that the most wins, but the most points. Uh, they got 60 points that season, and the, their next highest was 59. Uh, so this is the best they've ever done, is right now. I, no one would have expected that in the offseason. No, never. If you would have said that the best Red Bulls team ever assembled would be this year, in terms of record, I wouldn't have believed you. No, you have no big names. They have the lowest uh, in terms of pay for a roster in the league. Like You wouldn't think of it. But congratulations to them. They have a, Congratulations to that fan base, the three of them who show up for games. Um, they got another supporter shield, and it looks like a, a good team. And I think they're actually going to have, and I know we talked about this last week, a very strong CCL run. Yes, I very much think so. But let's all these the, co- topics. Let's get to the real thing. Yeah, they're just leading. Let's get to the meat. They're the appetizer. They're let's the meat. The cheese plate. Charcuterie? I love charcuterie. Which isn't quite a cheese plate. It's a no, meat. No, it has plate. meat on it too. And cheese. Typically, there's both, I find. It's my kind of plate. Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. Can you think of mm-hmm. a two-day span where there have, has been this much drama and this much excitement around MLS? Because I'm having a hard time. Maybe when no. Beckham got here. Mm, no. No. When Beckham got here, it was one really crazy day. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. But, I mean, after that, unless you were into soccer, it didn't matter. You know sure. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and when he came in, he like came in halfway through the year or whatever. Um, the, you weren't playing these meaningful matches, these matches that like determine do you even have a shot here. And that LA Galaxy team he came into was bad. Yeah, they weren't that great. That was a bad team. Um, they, they burned through a couple coaches before they got to Bruce Arena. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. But anyway... Uh, these were some dramatic games, some great games, also some dramatically terrible games. And yeah. by that, I mean like bad calls and like bad behavior, that kind of thing. This, you know, is, is much of an advertisement. Any of these. Yeah. If you chose one of these at random, you got a great game. Yeah. As much as this was an advertisement for the, the fun that you can have watching soccer and MLS, it was not <laughs> a refereeing advertisement. I mean, there were refereeing decisions in every single one of these games that people were like, what? Really? That's your decision? Um, I mean, let's start with D.C. D.C.U. 2, New England Revolution 1. And I'm going to say this first and foremost. I thought of the teams coming into the playoffs that looked the least likely to win MLS Cup. It was probably D.C. United. I mean, is that a stretch to say that of the, of the no, 12 it- teams? And this is something you've talked about before. Like, they were so strong earlier in the season that they've been slipping ever since. Yeah. They kind of, like, backed their way in through mediocre performance, but it was good enough because they're in the East. I wouldn't have been surprised if New England went in there and won this game, but they didn't. Some of that was because of some weird calls. Yeah. Now, that being said, let's not take away from Juan Agadello and what might wind up being the goal of the postseason. Oh, I mean, if you haven't seen it, Gingers, cr- cross in from 40 yards, bicycle kick from easily. 18 yards. It's easily so far the, the best goal of the postseason. It probably will go down as the best goal of the postseason. Um, uh-huh. But it's not enough. DC United, 
despite looking very sloppy at times, extremely sloppy at times, they sort of found a way to win. Mm-hmm. New England didn't look pretty when you're talking about that, but you you allow a team like DC to have you know seven shots on goal, and things are going to happen. You know what I mean? The thing, yeah, and you didn't put nearly enough chances away. If you're New England, they must have whipped the ball into the box thirty times, forty times. The the onslaught for New England was was relentless. But they can't put a shot on goal. They, they had four shots on goal that entire match. New England was my preseason favorite to just walk back to the MLS Cup. Yeah. It was them in Seattle. That's who I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Seattle has come back and they're sort of looking like the team that we thought we were going to get. New England got a little sloppy there. They really did. And, and, and uh, their luck ran out here. Luck ran out. Although, uh, if, if with the type of play we saw in the first half of that game... And if you told me like, oh, New England ended up winning, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it 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 didn't really feel like DC United dominated. this No, game. no, and and they really, really need to get their their act together before they go and play Red Bulls this weekend. Well, I, well, we'll get to it, but good luck, DC. So the other game, which breaks my heart, but we all knew it was going to happen, uh, Seattle, LA in Seattle. And of course, Seattle walks out of there three, LA two. How do you how hey how's it feel Jeff how's it feel Well it feels better than your team having been eliminated weeks in advance of the playoffs happening So it feels better. fair that's a fair assessment it Feels better than that Yeah This is the poorest performance in the playoffs in the Bruce Arena era for LA Galaxy One and done that's not what they do No and I you know I'm so conflicted about this game because I thought for a lot of the game, L.A. had not the run of play, so to speak, but they were very much in this game. They, they, they are going to look back and say that they gave this game away due to defensive blunders. They, they, they 100%, 100% did. 100% Now, Seattle is good enough to punish you for those mistakes if mm-hmm. and when you make them. But, you know, I have to go back to, I believe it was the second goal, um, when you had a, a, a free kick. Mm-hmm. Played in mm-hmm. to Nelson Valdez, um, and the ball, the shot was basically taken inside the six yard box. Now, once that goal happened, which first of all, the goal was offside. Watch the replay. But uh, that being, a, you know, sort of its own thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole weekend was like this. It's difficult at this point to say, like, oh, it was just that one call. Like, no, everything it, was bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. But my thing is, the the announcers on TV were sort of getting all over Frank, uh, Mr. Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard, for allowing that ball into that area, allowing the runner free and that kind of thing. If an attacker makes contact with a ball in the six-yard box after the ball was in the air for three or four seconds... And you're not looking at your goalkeeper as to what th- that he's the problem. You're you're a crazy person. Steven Gerrard immediately pointed down to where the ball was struck, and I'm on Steven Gerrard's side here. This is what happens when you spend all your money on attackers. Is you get a guy like Donovan Ricketts, who's was great when he was the right age, and now is a grandpa, and is hesitant because he knows he doesn't have the physicality to come and claim those balls anymore, and it bites you more than once in this game. Well, I, I uh, 
Uh, uh, let me put it this way. So I, I also agree that this was not Steven Gerrard's problem, despite what the announcers said. First of all, he shouldn't even be back there. He's right. not a defender. No. <laughs> like, the fact that he had to track back, I know he's a midfielder, but the fact that he had to track back uh, into the box to begin with, like why isn't uh, why aren't any of the, the fullbacks back there? Like why why is this Steven Gerrard's problem? But he's mm-hmm. there, right? Um, but Donovan Ricketts can't get those balls anymore. Yeah, I, or won't. I, I don't know. I think but it's he's, won't. he's almost forty years. Old, I think it's a right? mental block for Donovan Ricketts. Now, right I now. don't think the problem is that you spent all your money on uh, attacking players. I think the problem was you weren't able to correctly explain to Jaime Pinedo like what the deal was with options in MLS, yeah. and it made no sense to him. So he walked away because um, apparently now he like regrets leaving. <laughs> like in interviews with Jaime Pinedo, he's like, "Well, maybe I shouldn't have done that." Should have sought better advice. It's like, dude, yeah, you should have. But this was what everyone was afraid of when L.A. signed Donovan Ricketts. Could they have done better? Uh, maybe you could have gotten, you know, like John Bush or something from Chicago who's a backup. Like you could have gotten somebody. You could have gotten Josh Saunders if you played your cards right. Easy. If you played your card right, you could have gotten Josh Saunders. Like there, there, there are goalkeepers who I'd say are better keepers than Donovan Ricketts. But Donovan was on the outs in Orlando. He needed a way out. You needed a keeper. You didn't believe in your backups, which, by the way, I think the backups are better than Donovan Ricketts anyway. But this is exactly what fans of the team have been worried about. And this is the same kind of like mistakes, I think, we saw from Donovan Ricketts in that game against Portland Timbers at home at StubHub Center. It's like, you've got to attack these things. Mm-hmm. Got to attack these things because everybody knows you're 47 years old. Right. Everybody knows that. Um, and if you're Steven Gerrard, and this is a problem that I think a lot of um, a lot of high-end European players have when they come over, everyone you played with was world class. Yeah, like your whole career. So when he's like pointing at the spot, like this is what should have happened, he's right. That's what should have happened. Like Donovan Ricketts should have come out there and gotten that ball. But Steven Gerrard also has to know that your goalkeeper is 77 years old. Yeah. And he's not going to come well, out. Here's my thing. I agree with you on that point. I don't think I don't that, blame Steven Gerard. I'm I don't I don't I think don't that him. this is an example of that, is what I'm saying. I think an average MLS keeper should know and be able to come for that ball. I agree with that. My issue is you play on LA, you're in training with Donovan Ricketts, you've been in games with him. You it's know how like terrible first, he is. <laughs> this is like this is the first time they played together. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's a good like, point. That's like fair. you need to know like he's he's not coming out. No. He's <laughs> he's gonna stay there. He's just gonna stay. But I still put this on Donovan Ricketts. That's his ball. Yep. Yep. That's his ball. Let's move to but Thursday. I, I, hold on, wait, wait, one second. One second. This other thing that you said, um, I just want to point out as an example. You're you were saying how if you make a defensive mistake, Seattle will punish you. That first Clinton Dempsey goal in this game is exactly that. Yep. There's defensive lapse happens with LA and Clint Dempsey just immediately takes advantage of it because Seattle is always built that way. They are always ready for you to mess up. And they walk out of their own house, admittedly. Three, two winners, and they're moving on. Yep. Let's move to Thursday. Montreal 3, Toronto FC nil. In a game that could have been 5 or 6 or 7 nil. Man, these look like totally different teams. Like, they shouldn't have been in this game together. I know. It's crazy. They just played each other. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. I think that more than anything, I mean, you can speak to the defense of, of Toronto, and I'm sure that you're going to because it was abysmal. But <laughs> you, I do this every time we talk. Yeah. Um, 
I think more importantly, if you could take one thing away, well, two things away. One is that Montreal does not need Drogba to be a good team, but he makes them a great team, firstly. I think you have you have enough talent on that team without him to be a good team, but mm-hmm. they are a truly dangerous team with him on the side. Very but true. I think second of all, something that's happened to Toronto a few times and I think happened to them in this game is they do not have the mental fortitude to recover when things go poorly. I think once Patrice Bernier and Ignacio Piatti started passing the ball around, running at their center backs, who were clearly outclassed, mm-hmm. I think it broke their will. And I'm not sure that there's, a, there's a, a player on that team who has the ability to sort of turn that mental ship around and get them back into a game like this. There was an interesting thing that Hercules Gomez said a few weeks ago, and this was in the game where uh, Sebastian Javinko scored the game winner, sent Toronto to the playoffs for the first time ever, Yeah, um, which is great. And Hercules scored in that game as well, and it looked like his was going to be the game winner, but of course Toronto allowed a goal, so Sebastian Javinko's yeah. goal ended up being the game winner. And it was all in praise. It was in praise of Javinko as a player and like how good he was. And he said this somewhat as an aside – uh, uh, but it was, and I'm paraphrasing here, he was saying how he wishes that they were a better team because Sebastian Javinko would have had far more goals. Yeah. But that little observation tells you everything you need to know about Toronto. The rest of these players aren't good enough. Or they don't think they're good enough. Either way, they're functionally, they're not good enough. Yeah. You can at least meet me there. Um, because you've got Michael Bradley who will play to the bitter end even when his foot's broken. So yeah. you have that. You have Javinko who needs service. He's a small guy. Someone has to get the ball to him. But once he has it, he can make magic happen. But, you know, he's not going to win a lot of tackles. It's just not going to happen. Right. right. And you have Josie Altidore who's mind-boggling to me. And I, I said this on Twitter a little bit ago. I feel like every single Josie Altidore goal looks like a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he wasn't trying to shoot. He wasn't trying to make it happen. It just happens. Then you look at his numbers every season, except when he played for Sunderland, of course. Uh, and the numbers are great. Like, the stats are all great. Uh, but when you watch him play, you're like, this is – I don't know if you even meant to do this. He's one of those players that, like, if you, if you just saw, like, highlights of his misses, that you would be like, this guy's never played soccer before. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah. Then, he, then he has all these statistics where it's just, like, ridiculous. And I'm just like, how is this possible? He's how is of- the same person? He's one of uh, our top scorers yeah. in the United States. <laughs> he, really, he really is. And I know that's so hard to believe, but oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, Toronto doesn't have enough in the midfield. They especially don't have enough in defense all right, to really play with I- I- anybody who can um, pass the way Montreal can. Any team that's technically sound – and for whatever reason, Montreal has turned around to become a technically sound team. I think they're a confident team. I, I think that you're seeing Petrus yeah. Bernier and Ignacio Piatti having real confidence because, A, they know that they're not going to be double teamed every time they're on the ball because they have to worry about Drogba. But yeah. also because they're, they think that with Drogba they can win any game that they're in. And they probably can. They can. Uh, well, we're, we're seeing that now. Yeah. We're seeing that I now. think that they have a very real chance of making it to MLS Cup final. I really do. Well, considering how weak the East is, I mean, yeah. why not? <laughs> I mean, obviously the Red Bulls are going to give them a, a hard time, but I think they have a chance to make it to that cup final. They, 
I, I don't see why that why that would be impossible for them. Like, yeah. I, it, it's it's definitely doable for them. Uh, Drogba, obviously, a fantastic signing. Although we all expected him to be good, but like not quite as good as he actually is. Um, we all we all knew it, but not like this. So good on him. And firing their coach seems to have been a phenomenal move for them. Just changing who's running the team and obviously getting the right players has made for a very productive end of the season. And to, and to go back on something, again, I know we already talked about it, but you've said it before, they have the momentum at the right time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're coming into the playoffs hot, they're coming in confident, and they believe that they can play anybody. And it really does look like they can. So hat tip to them, very, very impressive. But we all know the game of a of the playoff weekend, Portland Timbers. And it wasn't close. <laughs> oh no. First of all, these other games were good, but Portland Timbers, Sporting Kansas City. Ginger's just if you haven't seen it, go online, watch the highlights, do yourself the favor. If you have MLS Live, it's worth watching the condensed game. Oh, my God. First of all, it's at Providence Park, which is always going to be entertaining regardless. This game was insane. Was absolutely insane. If if you were going to to make if you were going to sort of show someone who might not be a fan of MLS a game and say this is why I care about this sport and this is why I care about this league, it, it, this I can have a hard time thinking of a game that might be a better example of that. I'm struggling right now to come up with something just for the sake of like oh well think of this one Alex but like no <laughs> no. no this game was truly. That good. And keep in mind, there was no scoring in the first half. No. Here's my thing. If you're Portland, obviously you're thrilled with the win. Mm-hmm. But if, if right about now, if I am the coaching staff of Portland, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I let a team hang around and it almost bit me. Because oh, yeah. Portland was all over them in the first 20 or 30 minutes and came out with no goals. And, and frankly... You know, it, it took some heroics late in the match mm-hmm. to get them out of there with the result that, you know, many think that they deserved. You know, Aruti with the goal in the 118th. And first of all, that Espria cross was outrageous. Uh, in the 118th minute, what a sentence. That's so great. I love this sport. But if you're Portland, you let a team like Seattle hang around like that. If you don't score when you have opportunities, if you let Dallas oh, you or Seattle, you're going to lose. You lose. 100% you lose. You lose. You, 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 you don't lose against a stronger team. Yeah. There was a full half hour where Portland was up 1-0. And Sporting Kansas City didn't score at all until the 87th minute. Yeah. And, and, but my, my point is, is that you have, you have a team in Sporting who, for the last 20 minutes, were peppering Portland. All of a sudden, the roles were reversed, and it was sort of like, can Portland hang on? You want to put the game out of reach when you can. And, and they clearly didn't do that. No, they didn't, and, and and they sort of limped into the playoffs. So we got to keep keep these things in mind here. Yeah, but they did score when they needed to to not get blown out at home, right? And get the lights turned out in Providence Park. They did show up in the hundred eighteenth. They did get that goal from Maxi Yeruti, a former Toronto FC player, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
on the long list of players who've played for Toronto, gone somewhere else, and had more success. Uh, then you go into penalties. Now, Jinders, you know how much I dislike penalty shootouts. But if there's ever an argument why penalty shootouts are awesome, <laughs> this, it might be this game. There were 22 penalties taken, Jeff. In 22 insane. penalties. There was uh, Syed Abdul Salam. Oh, my God. Kansas City. I feel bad for the kid. Dude. He comes up. What do you do? He comes up. He shoots, which looks solid off of his foot, frankly. Like, the shot didn't look oh, bad. Oh, you think, you, you, 100% you think that you've just won it. Oh, yeah. Because it also went the correct way. The keeper goes the other direction. Yeah. Ball's going the right way. Hits the post. But it has the right bounce. You know, like, okay, it hit the post, but it's in. Then it hits the other post and bounces out. Three times. Sporting Kansas City players had the opportunity to put the game away if they converted their penalty. And all three times they missed. Kevin Ellis, Matt Beasler, and Abdul Salam. Insane. 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 This penalty shootout went, up, went on for so long that the goalkeepers had to shoot. And how? I mean, if you were writing a movie about soccer, you would get to the... The 11th man, who's the keeper, and the first guy makes it, and the second, and he saves the other keeper's shot. That's literal. that's like, that's out of a movie. It is insane. And because he's a keeper, like, he makes the shot, and then he immediately then he has, has to, to go save. Yeah, he has to go f***ing save. I have to bleep myself just, just now. Walk, they just walk past uh, each other. They have to do it immediately. It's incredible. I will say this. If it was anyone other than Adam Kawarse or potentially... Let me see. Who else could do this? Who plays? Well, I'll say this. Adam Quarcy has the most uh, clean sheets in the league for the regular season. Yeah. So it's pretty good having him there. It but is. I didn't know he could shoot. <laughs> right. I would put a Nick Romano in that conversation if you're trying to pick a a keeper who would be good in that situation. because he's like infamously good at stopping penalties. Yeah. If missing again, stopping penalties. Uh, but yeah, Adam Quarse, you're the hero. The goalkeeper's the hero. <sighs> it's like Quarse a storybook. And here we are. We're, we're, we're here a day before the first round proper, if you will, of the playoffs, the yeah. conference semifinals. But before we get into those games, we have a few more things that are worth mentioning that we got to go over here. Let's, let's move away from the league just for a brief spare moment. We have no contracts with anyone. We have so many contracts. Oh, my God. You really need to read your emails. All right. (laughs) Let's get into it. I like the idea that there's contracts you know nothing about. Yeah, that I'm just like oblivious. Yeah, yeah, you have no clue. But you somehow also signed them. The greatest soccer player of all time is retiring. I thought Pele retired a long time ago. No, Alex. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> Abby Wambach has retired. Oh, I know. At the end of the year, it's it's. I'll it's say this: sad. It, it's sad, but it's also time. It is time. You know, I, I think she's a player who clearly had gifts. Technically, I'm not trying to say that she didn't, but she was such. She was so far and away more physical. And learned how to use her own body and physicality to play the sport of soccer. She redefined what a forward in women's soccer can be 
Like it, it's amazing what she accomplished in her career. And, and you know, obviously the, the leading goal scorer of all time at an international level. Um, and, you know, you, you will go 50 years without finding a player who impacts her sport and sort of stands out from her sport more than an Abby Wambach would. I, she might be one of those players like, well, that was it. That was you just had the one. She's your Michael Jordan. Like, yeah. That was all you get. She could be your Jordan. Yeah, hundred percent. She has a hundred and eighty-four goals in international play alone. That's staggering. Now, that yes, is, the women's team plays more than the men, but still, that's just outrageous. Do, but, but that is crazy. Yeah, These stats are insane. And if I'm double checking this, I want to make sure I'm not mistaken, but. Is this most recent World Cup her her only World Cup win? I feel like it is. Yeah, she wasn't present uh, for the last one. The last win? I don't think so. I don't think she was. I know she's thirty five, but like, I don't think she was on that team. No, it's amazing. What a career! Let me see. She's competing in four of them. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, she's only won one. Isn't that shocking? Do you she's think that that tarnishes world. what her accomplishments are? No, not at all. I think we would have been talking about this if the U.S. women's team did not win this year. If they did not win in 2015, people would say like, yeah, but she never brought it home. That's they always wanted- been an interesting you know, argument. You have I always players- disagree with it, but people I agree say- with you. I, I agree with you. I, I think you know, this is the old you know, Dan Marino against Tom Brady argument, like who was the greater quarterback. And it's, you know, you're, you're measuring two things. You're measuring accomplishments and you're measuring skill. And those are not always the same. Now, I would argue that in this instance, because we did win, I think Abby Wongbach sort of puts that question to bed because she has both. She has both. You know, she, she's accomplished the, the greatest thing that an athlete can accomplish in their sport. Mm-hmm. And she's clearly freakishly skilled, or at least, you know, in her heyday, she was, you know, the, easily the best in the world. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough because you, I think in 50 years, mm-hmm. when women's soccer is this massive juggernaut in the world, that I think a lot of people are going to look back and say, yeah, she was great, but she played with largely lesser talent against her. She played in in an era where... did. She did play in an era where the U.S. was just dominating every single time against everyone. Yeah, and not with overwhelmingly great team play either, just because we have the athletes. We have have the individual players. It's probably only the the two most recent World Cups where I would say the field had really caught up. That being said, we hadn't won a World Cup since 99, so what do I know? But um, I could see an argument for that, but that's your classic, like, we're just sitting around having an argument for the sake of having one. She had 252 caps, 184 goals. She's got two gold medals. She has a world – I mean, what more do you want? She's got a World Cup uh, championship. Mm-hmm. She earned it. She earned it. I hope she enjoys retirement. I know it's probably rude to say at this point, especially now that she's retired, but she was only going to be a super sub if she moved on. Yeah. Like she wasn't what she was. Even in this World Cup, she wasn't what she had been in the past. Abby, if you ever want to come on the show, let us know. You're always – Even though I just insulted you. You're you always, always our target forward from here on. <laughs> 
Well, she could beat us, I'll tell you that much. Uh, 100%. Let's go on some other little rumors going around here. It's, it's rumor season. For some teams, the season's over, and it's That's currently true. rumor season, which is well, arguably my favorite season. Oh, rumor season is fantastic. Uh, the, the thing that's great about this time of year, since it's not a big transfer season globally, we don't tend to see really big names coming in in the wintertime. Right. But this is when you see the coaching moves or ownership changes, stuff like that happens now. Uh, and that, that becomes really fascinating. So uh, one of the favorites that we like to talk about is, is former New York Red Bulls coach, uh, Mike Padkate. Well, there's been this question mark about like, well, what's he going to do next? Yeah. You know, where is he going to go? And there was a rumor recently that the Chicago Fire future product of Alex Soccer Kibler, the yeah. Chicago Fire, apparently interviewed Mike Petke. Let me first say, Mike Petke is on brand for us. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate what Mike is bringing to the table in terms of our interviews. No, uh, I think if you're a Chicago Fire, I am a Chicago Fire. If you're the ownership group of the Chicago Fire, Fire. just one of them, uh, right now, I think you like the aggression. You like the attack-mindedness. You like the passion that a guy like Mike Petke brings to the table. Because, frankly, you haven't had the best attendance over the last couple of years. You need to get people excited about what is possible for your team. And I think Mike Petke does that if you're Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if you're Mike Petke, though? It's a great city. I mean, this, you can say what you want about the success rate of, of Chicago Fire, which it hasn't been great. They've made mm. some poor decisions in terms of, you know, like uh, sponsorships and stuff like that. And it's, you know, we're just now starting to see the team really start to assemble some young youth uh, talent. So I think, to be honest with you, I think Mike Petke might go in there and say, okay, you have a guy like Harry Ship." You have a guy like David Akam. I think if you sign the right couple of pieces, you could be a heck of a team. Um, I think it might be attractive to a guy like Mike Petke. It's a big city. Chicago's a lovely town. Yeah, it's a great town. Lovely town. If I was a fan of the Chicago Fire, I would be cautiously optimistic whether we end up with Mike Pecky or not, at least we're interviewing like the correct type of person. Well, and my question is, if you're if you're a Chicago Fire, who are you realistically going to interview that is a head and shoulders above a Mike Petke who you think might actually take the job? Unless you're going to start paying some real money, you don't have anybody else. Right, exactly. You could try to like pry Robin Frazier out of his assistant job, like you try to do something like that. Yeah. But um, unless you're really going to like open up and spend. Um, you, you, and for that matter, Mike Pecky's probably not going to be cheap either. He's not going to be super expensive, but he, he's not free. Yeah. That's, that's not like free talent you have. Uh, I, I think that he would bring a lot of enthusiasm to the team. Yeah. Or, or would. I would expect that. He, he doesn't seem to be the best tactical mind out there. No, I don't think so. But he does get guys really excited and gets them playing. So, I mean, you need something, for God's sake. Um, it would be hopeful. It would be hopeful. But what I'd really want to see as a Chicago Fire fan is that we're actually going to start signing the right players. Yep. I think Mike Peck is a good judge of talent. 
Um, and I, th- I think that you're optimistic if you're Chicago for that very reason. But another team that might be making a coaching change. Hey. Uh, for some team? damn reason. What team? What team's going to make? Go ahead. My beloved New York City FC. Jason Christ might be out of a job, which is a joke. It's a joke, Jeff. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It is a joke. It is a huge joke. But it might happen anyway. (laughs) If you haven't heard of Gingers, here's the current rumor as of the time of this recording. Yeah. The current rumor is that former Russia and England coach Fabio Capello is in line to become New York City FC's next coach. I agree with you, Gingers. That's a bad idea. But that is very much in the line of what City Football Group It has CFG written all over it, doesn't it? I mean, it's like... You've got a big name. Who has a very spotty track record. Who's got a questionable history? <laughs> He's a big name, and he costs a fortune. Yeah, let's hire that guy. That sounds perfect. He comes from a league that has nothing to do with yours. Yep, it's unclear if he understands like how your league works or what needs to happen. It's ridiculous. Would you be surprised? No, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be mad, I'd be, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, exactly. I would rather have the Patrick Vieira move. Yeah. I mean, and only because Steve McLaren got snatched up this offseason. Do I, like that? The only thing that would be more City Football Group is a guy like Steve McLaren, another person who's had like no success anywhere ever, yet somehow continues to get jobs. Like it's it's amazing because he's a name. He's a name. It's a name. That's People all that that's all that City Football Group care about right now. And I think it's it's you know now if you. If you want to be City Football Group and you want to fire Christ after your second season, then do it. I don't care. But lest we forget... There it is. He won the league in his second year as coach of RSL. Yeah, his first year. Won the league. That record speaks for itself. That stuff's important. If I was Jason Christ or his agent, whoever that may be, I don't really know. I'm going to go to the city football group and say, hey, you know, there's been a lot of articles. It's a lot of smoke. I want to know if there's fire. If we're here, great. Happy to be here. Happy to coach. Happy to go into preseason. Happy to uh, get new players, release others. We're happy to do the whole thing. But if not, you know, we're going to look at options. And I bet they're probably going to give you a wishy-washy answer because they would want to have all their options available. Mm -hmm. But if that's the case, like, you got to start looking around. (laughs) You need to start looking around at other things. So you don't want to end up in a situation like Mike Pecky was and you get fired like a week before the season starts. Yeah, yeah. You won't be able to find anything. Right. There won't be any openings. Like, I – I'm actually a little frustrated from the outside looking in. Like, if you intend to get rid of him, like, why are you? What's? Why are we waiting? Why what are, are we waiting le- on? Why are we letting this man just dangle out here? If you're that upset, then just fire him. Yeah, someone will take that job. It's New York. Someone will take it. It's not like no one will take that job. If you're Fabio Capello, I mean, obviously they're going to pay you more than you should be paid. <laughs> Way more than you should be paid. And they'll probably the, give you a longer leash than they're going to give a guy like Jason Christ, which is ridiculous. Right but they will because you're a European. Yeah. 
We're like, oh, well. And, and when he doesn't do well, they'll say it's because MLS is backwards. Right. That's what they'll say. I hope that what actually will happen is that City Football Group will say to um, Jason Christ, you've got to get to the playoffs next year. You've got a second year. You've got a second season. But you've got to get to the playoffs. And if you make the playoffs – you're still here. If you don't, you're fired. Uh, and I feel like that's something Jason would say yes to, but it's also clear like what the rules are. I, know, there is that. something to be said for the fact that I think Jason Christ realized what he was getting into when he took this job. Oh, absolutely. He's there not are, a man. Yeah, there are massive expectations for this job. This is not an RSL where it's like, oh, if you qualify, great, we're all happy for you. They're a small market. This is an ownership group in a city that expects to win and – at some point, you do have to deliver that. Is it realistic for your first season? No. Is it realistic for the second season to get to the playoffs? Probably. No, but uh, th- that'll probably be the expectation. Yep. Frankly, um, I I don't know. I, I just I just don't think it's wise to go down this road that they're going down right now. And I get it. He's famous. He's been everywhere. But I mean. As a coach of a national team, he has won zero things. As a coach of a club, the last thing he won was, well, I guess it wasn't that long ago, but he was um, manager of Real Madrid, and he did get La Liga in 2006. My thing is when you're... But also they had infinite money. Exactly. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken... I can have any player I want. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Let me see if David Beckham was on this team. <laughs> he may have been. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Well, I'm looking that up. When it all comes down to it, I just I feel like it would be very on brand for City Football Group to make this move. I just really hope that they don't. I think it's incorrect. A lot of European coaches struggle in MLS because the rules are weird. And I, I just I, I don't think it's wise. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, rumors out of Boston that Jermaine Jones might be on his way out mm-hmm. of the New England Revolution. Mm-hmm. Maybe to Club Tawana, uh, right across the border from uh, San Diego, California. I don't know why you said it like that. I really don't. But, oh. but I think this is happening. The key reason why I think it's happening isn't a necessarily an issue with New England. It's that his family never moved. They all live in Los Angeles. Yeah. His wife's there. He has like six kids. He has a ton of children. All the children. And they're all young. Like like his oldest kid might be six. (laughs) He's got really little kids. And it's tough to be away from your family for that long. Yeah, it it is. It really is. Uh, Yes, I acknowledge Club Tijuana is in a different country. But that is far closer to L.A. than Boston is, yeah, which is three thousand miles away. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a move for Jermaine, and it doesn't. It also doesn't surprise me that it's not to another MLS team because the types of teams that would make sense for him, especially if it's a family-related move, they already they've already filled all of their DP slots. You'd have to take a pay cut, and I don't think he's in the mindset to do such a thing. I don't think he is either. I, I think this type of move makes a lot of sense for a guy like Jermaine because you're still going to be playing in a league that 
you know, a guy like Jurgen Klinsmann is going to say, okay, yeah, he's getting meaningful minutes on a meaningful side, and he's going to yeah. play good other opposition. So, I mean, yeah. it's I, I think if you're Jermaine and you want to stay in the conversation for the 2018 World Cup, this is the right way to go. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that an old man Jermaine Jones playing for New England Revolution might have a chance. I really don't. And he knows that. Like, he's not, he's not a dumb man. He's not a dumb man, and he's been playing for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised. But this is a team that allegedly, and I'm going to probably by the time you listen to this, Jenners, it'll be true, Miguel Herrera may become their new coach. So he could be playing for the most enthusiastic soccer coach in North America. I love him so much. Future so coach of the Chicago team. Fire, owned by Alex Kibler. That's going to be your guy? Yeah. Few quick news and notes around the league here, Gingers. MLS average attendance higher this year than the Eredivisie and League One in France. Your thoughts, Ooh, Jeff? Maybe that's why Ibrahimovic is all talking about coming over. God, we can hope, right? Apparently he wants to come over here. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that true. goes. I don't know how that'll all shake Obafemi out. Martin's but... called up to the Nigerian national team. Love it. Don't understand why it took this long. Uh, me either. Them. Lovely. Well, who else do you have, Nigeria? Exactly. Come on. The kid is electric. Absolutely uh, electric. Dom they Dwyer him last year, frankly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Dom Dwyer apparently making it publicly known that his dreams have changed. England was once the dream. Now it might be the United States. Well, part of that is like England's not calling. They ain't calling you. <laughs> it's sorry, not, bro. It's not gonna. Happen. Nope. But um. Question for you. I know we're wrapping up here, but question for you. Where do we put him? <sighs> That's, see, here's the thing. He's not a citizen. It's worth pointing out. So it's he's not, like not a citizen. But let's say, right he, let's say he becomes a citizen. Do you, my question is, do you think he offers, you know, I guess the question is, do you think he offers more potentially than any combination of uh, Johansson, Dempsey, Bobby Wood, Jordan Morris, Josie Altidore. Like, are you going to say that nope. he's in the top two of those six players? No. I, I don't think he nope. finishes clinically enough to be really included. He, he's nope. very athletic. He, he makes a lot of plays happen. He gets a lot of shots away. But mm-hmm. it, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be effective at the international level. He, he clearly doesn't have a great record in terms of converting chances. It's true. It's true that he doesn't. He misses a lot of shots. Yeah. Because he takes a lot of shots. Um, that's what makes him both uh, celebrated and hated in, in Kansas City. Like, stuff works. Sometimes it doesn't. But that being said, he's not a citizen. He probably can't become one for a few years. I think it was 2017 that he could become a citizen. Something like that. Yeah. So I, I did back you into, like, a question that doesn't really mean anything. Now isn't the time. You know, mm-hmm. But now is the time for Darlington Nagby, who is a citizen and apparently has caught Jurgen Klinsmann's eye. What do you think? I think he, you know, I, I might not have thought that he had a chance. Mm-hmm. He's shown a remarkable resilience to get back and defend more than I thought him capable of, you know, over the last maybe three or four months. I, it's tough because clearly you have a lot of talent in the men's national team pool. Couple that with a coach who just has this unbelievable penchant for playing players out of position. Penchant. You don't really know what you're going to get out of Jurgen when it comes to where he's going to play you. Are you a number six for Jurgen? 
Are you a wide player who plays shuttle? Mm-hmm. Like, where where would you put a guy like Darlington Nabby? I think if he's utilized properly, I think that he could actually be decently successful with the, the men's national team because he's athletic enough to play at that level. Mm-hmm. But I don't trust Jurgen to play him in the right position. I would love to see Darlington come in. I really would. I would, too. Um, just as, I just want to see it. I just want to see him out there and see what he's uh, capable of doing. Um, just as you've already pointed out, correctly so, the, the, the man has the athletic talent. His technical skills seem to keep getting better every year. And right now he's coming in hot. We have some uh, qualifying games against lesser sides. If you're in some situation where like, oh, so-and-so is hurt or whatever the situation may be, it may make sense to bring him in. Uh, one thing to loop back to your attendance, the Seattle Sounders attendance averaged 44,245. Incredible statistic. That is better than Liverpool. <laughs> I that love this sport in, the in this country. the top 25 in the globe what for are, attendance. What a statistic. That makes me proud to be a fan of this league. That's it more than really Chelsea does. gets yep. on average. Yep. These numbers are crazy. Now, if you're going to be a detractor, you'd point out that they play in a stadium that seats 64,000. Let's not talk about that. Why would you say that? Why are you going to bring that up, Jeff? <laughs> but that just means everything's looking up. See, I turned it you around. Have, you, have, you, have, around. you have a vector. You have a growth vector. I turn around and things look at that. They got they they have places to grow. They have room to grow. Whereas a lot of these teams are playing at maximum capacity. Yes. But still, the yes. fact that a U.S. team is regularly in the top rankings of football attendance globally that says something. It does. And this will be the first U.S. team that fills like they'll have NFL attendance. They will. One hundred percent. They will. Yep. Absolutely. I, I would not put it past Atlanta to at some point equal them. I think that that's such a huge, huge market that's just ripe for the picking. So, and you would know that market better than I do because I can't really say like, "Oh yeah, you're sure." I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. If you say so, it's a man. great sports town. Really does. Uh, but if they show up, I mean, great, man. Great. I hope they do. For I, the I hope it. First time because... in these playoffs, Jeff. Do you want to go around the league? Oh, man, let me get the schedule in Dude, dude. Sunday. Sunday, folks. This is a tough one if you're also an NFL fan because you've got games from 3 p.m. to 9.30. I don't find this to be tough at all. I don't give a crap about a Week 7 NFL game if this is happening. Don't she's going to watch NFL all day. I might. Uh, Sunday, 3 p.m., <laughs> D.C. United host the New York Red Bulls in the first leg Eastern Conference semifinals. That's on ESPN. Oof. The Atlantic Cup, folks. Yeah. These teams hate each other. They have a long history. New York knocked D.C. out of the playoffs last year. And that was a D.C. team. That was a strong D.C. team. Stronger than this D.C. team. Yeah, I thought this one would be better. It didn't turn out that way. I'm still taking the Red Bulls. I'm still taking them. I, I, I'm, I'm even taking them at D.C. I'm taking it to 2-1. Uh, the thing with D.C. is that they lack the cohesion to be able to play 
in the amount of space that you're going to have to play in to get around and through the New York Red Bulls. The, the Red Bulls play with such width, which you don't see a ton. And I've said this before on the show. You don't see the type of width that New York plays with in this league very often. You just don't. Um, I think that DC United is really going to have a hard time with the Red Bulls. I'm not, I'm not pegging the Red Bulls for the, the MLS Cup just yet, but I, I, I see them getting past DC in this one. I think 2-0... New York Red oh, Bulls. Really? Nothing yeah. from DC. Even at home? Even at home. I, I think wow. I think there's a few, there's a lot of teams in this league that DC are good enough physically and in the air off of set plays to get a lot of goals on, and I don't think that Red Bulls are one of those teams. I just don't. Uh also on ESPN, five PM Eastern. Let's mm-hmm. move out west. Cascadia in the playoffs, Jeff. Portland Ooh. play host to the Vancouver Whitecaps. ESPN TSN one. So uh just a small note about this game. Uh, I read that the Vancouver Whitecaps were opening up more seats for this. Uh, and then I thought, like, oh, great. They're finally opening the upper levels. They're not. They're just opening up some more seats in the lower levels. Show up, Vancouver. Come yeah. on. Well, this one's in Portland. But, yes, it, next weekend when they play back All in right, Vancouver. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you, you should have saved that for next week. You had, like, a whole no, thing no. that you were saying. No, no, too late. That was all I had. You that ruined it. it. Anyway, so, well, who do you think is going to win this one? Cascadia Cup at Providence Park. I know Portland Timbers just came off 120 minutes and then 11 penalty shots. Dude. They're tired. But they're also amped up. They believe in themselves. I'm giving Portland two. Vancouver Whitecaps one. I think it's going to be the flip. I think Portland How won Vancouver you? Whitecaps two. I'm going to ride this Vancouver bandwagon till it crashes. And burns. <laughs> How dare you? Is that what bandwagons do? I don't know. Uh, Sunday night, 7 p.m. I've never seen a bandwagon, if I'm honest with you. I don't know. what. Is, wait, what does a bandwagon look like? Exactly. Anyway, Montreal at home against Columbus Crew, 7 p.m. FS1. Well, with the way Montreal... Well, okay. In the pre-show, I was all on board with Montreal. Then then I remembered to take a look again at how Columbus played in their last game, and they decimated. They destroyed in their last game. They were scoring goals for fun, and Kai Kamara wasn't even in that game. He was serving a suspension. This game is going to have a ton of goals. I'm going to call it right now. I'm doing 3-3. Wow. Six goals. I want to say, well, you know what's even more ridiculous? The fact that I want to say Montreal 4, Columbus 3. <laughs> seven a seven-goal thriller. And as usual, once this game happens, 1-0. 1-0. 1-0, yep. And finally, <laughs> Sunday night, Seattle at home against FC Dallas. Now, That's on FS1 also, 9.30 p.m. I was like, this is the game to watch. And Alice kept saying... No, Portland, Vancouver, that's Cascadia. That's the game to watch. Yep. This is the game to watch because, one, FC Dallas wants to show that they're not a fluke, that they're a real team, that they didn't just have, like, a weak schedule. And, yes, they're all 13 years old, but they're ready to play, and they're here to prove a point. They have 60 points, and that wasn't an accident. Like, they're good. And Seattle Sounders has Clint Dempsey being angry, which is the best way to have Clint Dempsey. He plays phenomenal when angry. I've got Seattle 2, FC Dallas nil in the first leg. Mm. <sighs> Man. I'm going to do that thing that you do. Oh, and I'm no. going to say everyone's going to be disappointed. Oh, one, no. one draw. <laughs> oh, 
everyone disappointed. It's going to be the least everyone. It's going to be so everyone's going to be so amped because all the three games leading up to it are going to be great, and this is going to be such a disappointment. One yep. one. I think Dallas. I think once they get back home next week and they really start playing, um, that they're going to be in good shape. But I think it's going to be a slop fest. I think it's going to be rough. It's going to be, you know, the thing is that as great as the individual talent is on Seattle, they do look disjointed at times. That's a tough place to play, playing on turf. I think it's going to be kind of a, like a, it's going to be scrappy. It's going to be a scrappy match. All I have to say about this is Seattle never lost to FC Dallas during the regular season. And it's the same team. That's a good point. Also, Seattle hasn't lost since August 22nd. We shall see, Jeff. We shall see. Ways that you can get in touch with us, Gingers. Hell. At Straight Red Pod on Twitter. At Alex S. Kibler on Twitter. That's me. S stands for soccer. At Jeff is famous on Twitter. That's Jeff. Hi, Jeff. I can see you. It's great that I can see you. Yeah, he's kissing me now. Straight Red Pod. Wait, no. Straight Red at iCloud.com. <laughs> oh, no. Straight Red That's Podcast on Instagram and Straight Red on Facebook. I'm messing up every week. Jeff, it's time for now. It's now time. You Jeff, it's it. now time. Are you sure? Yes. Now. Now it's time for a quiet time with Jeff. Jeff, Gingers, what do you, what do you got for him? T- talk to him. Sometimes <laughs> you'll move all the way to Maine mm-hmm. to specifically not deal with your friend. <laughs> yeah. And he will find a way through the miracle of technology to force you to look at his dumb face. Here we Let are. me tell you something, Gingers. Do not stand for Alex Soccer Kibler's dumb face in any scenario. It wasn't worth it. I tried it and all I have are regrets. Jeff Ross out. Go forth and soccer, Gingers. He threw his microphone. Are you crying? A little bit. Dixie just asked me, do we still have gin? (laughs) Do we? Yes. Okay. When your girlfriend asks you, do we still have gin, it's probably not been a good day at work.